open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. We'll be continuing our series and Sermon on the Mount. We've been at it for several months, back before the end of the last year. I'm not sure when it was. We started maybe October or November. We're not through the first chapter of it yet. Uh, but I tell you, it's been good. It's been convicting. And I believe this morning will be just the same as what we've been facing. Do you ever have the desire for, for revenge? I, I mean, do you ever want to get even? Uh, have you ever been hurt so bad or even someone that you love has been hurt bad that you lie awake at night uh, trying to figure out a way to get even? I think there are times when all of us have a desire to get revenge on somebody. We dream of ways that we could uh, do something and never get caught. We, we, we can... Even it, and, and no one would ever know it. We could do it, and uh, we can get even, and no one would ever know it was us. We conjure up devious plans to get our pound of flesh. They hurt me, and I'm going to get them back. I believe if we if we didn't have a problem with pride and selfishness, we would never have those thoughts of revenge. My selfishness wants me, motivates me to get even. I, I'm going to tell you something. I, I scare me when I think about it. I, what in the world are you doing to let your mind go in that direction? To, it, it's a problem of pride. It's a, it's a problem of selfishness. Whose big idea was it anyway that we go through the Sermon on the Mount anyway? I mean, week after week, the Lord has convicted my heart in ways that I wasn't prepared for. I've read through it many times. I knew it was there. What I didn't know was how that God would use it to confront me in my life. To force me to deal with issues in my life that I'd rather leave, just leave alone. Maybe you too have been having these same thoughts. We're going to be going to looking at, at uh, what, we're, what we're going to be looking at today is rights. What rights? Do we have rights as Christians? Please stand with me as we read the text this morning. Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse number 38. The Bible says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If any man will sue thee at, a law, at the law, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, 
turn thou not away. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We just thank you for all that you do for us throughout the week and through our lives. Dear Lord, I just pray as we deal with this passage of Scripture that you would open up our eyes to our hearts to help us see the attitudes that we sometimes have are, are not from you, that they're worldly, they're prideful, they're selfish. And dear Lord, I just pray that we will recognize and, uh, the truth from this passage of Scripture and apply it properly in a way that you would have us to apply it. And dear Lord, I just pray if there's some lost soul here today, that they'll realize that they need Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. Thank you for those you brought together this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Out of all of the Sermon on the Mount, there is probably not another passage that has been misunderstood as much as the verses that we are dealing with today. The Russian novelist Leo Tolstoy read the Sermon on the Mount and came to the conclusion that there shouldn't be any military or police force. That we should do what Jesus said here and resist evil and that love would eventually prevail over evil and the world would be a utopia uh, of love and peace. And he wrote a novel about it called War and Peace. Of course, he, he was dead wrong in how he understood the Sermon of the Mount. And what Jesus is telling us here is that, that not that we're to throw away our guns, not that we should, should defend ourselves. The only way to understand what Jesus is saying here is to keep it in the historical and biblical context in which it is said. Years ago, I was in Australia with a group of people from the states working together to build a church building for the people of Australia. And one day, our, the ladies were planning for the next day's breakfast, and, and uh, there were several ladies there that were from the south, and it was suggested that they would have biscuits and gravy for breakfast. Well, they mentioned it to the Aussie women that were there helping and to prepare the food, and, and they were getting some strange looks from the Aussie crowd. See, to an Aussie, biscuits are cookies. And gravy is a sauce. And they had never heard of eating cookies and sauce together for breakfast. <laughs> Those Aussie women, women didn't understand the context of the Southern America, what the Southern Americans were saying. So let's keep this passage in the right context. This is the context. Jesus is calling for a radical change in our lives. Nobody turns the other cheek. Yes, they do. Followers of, followers of Jesus do. Nobody goes the second mile. Yes, they do. Uh, the followers of Jesus do. Nobody is slapping the right cheek and turns their cheek and offers the left one. Yes, they do, if they're followers of Jesus. You, you may say, well, that's not me. 
I, I could never do that. There is no way I could offer my other cheek. Jesus is saying that as part of his kingdom is understanding that the life of a Christian is radically different than anything you've ever known or anything you have ever experienced. You know what? Westerners have watered down Christianity. We have all these rights. We have civil rights. We have rights for women. We have patients' rights. We have rights for children. We have the Bill of Rights. We have rights, 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 rights. And, and as Westerners, we believe that those are our rights and we can do with them as we please. Then we try to bring all of those rights into the Christian life. And, and let me say this, they don't always fit. They don't always work. And sometimes they violate the teaching of the Bible. You have the freedom of speech, and I'm thankful for that right. But as a Christian, it doesn't give you the right to say anything you want to say. You may have a right as an American, and I thank God for them that 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 uh, uh, that for, for for them for those rights. And don't get me wrong, uh, it is one thing to be an American; it's another thing to be a Christian. There are not synonymous terms. I don't care what anybody says. Yes, you have all these rights, but Jesus is saying, where did you get the idea that you should insist on your rights? You know what happens when people insist on their rights? It usually is settled in a divorce court. You know what happens when people insist on their rights? It usually ends in a lawsuit. I've heard of Christians getting into a spat over a foot of ground where a fence is supposed to go. You say, but it's mine and I've got a right to it. Really? To the extent that you're going to become angry, you're going to, and you're going to hinder your witness for Christ, you're going to fuss and fight over a foot of ground, you're going to fuss and fight over your right to be heard, even though it's going to make matters worse and not better. Jesus is saying, no, that's not what citizens of the kingdom of God do. The citizens of the kingdom of God have a humble spirit, not a prideful spirit. Citizens of the kingdom of God are humble, they're not arrogant, they do not go around with a chip on their shoulder demanding anything. Disciples of Christ are willing to be inconvenienced for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the reputation of Christians trying to influence a lost world. Are you? Are you willing to be put out? Are you willing to be inconvenienced for the cause of Christ? You think you're owed something? You think you deserve something? Jesus is showing that this radical Christianity, this radical righteousness that he has talked about in the Sermon on the Mount is so radical that when you get a good dose of the righteousness of Christ in you, you won't be concerned about being taken advantage of. You won't be concerned about your rights. You will be concerned about one thing, and that is the spreading of the gospel of Jesus. Notice what the Lord said in verse number one, and verse, the first verse. Number one, 
You don't have a right to revenge. Verse number 38, it says, You have heard that it hath been said. Why did they hear what had been said? Because they were illiterate. This is what the scribes and Pharisees said to them. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. By the way, this is what the Bible says. In Exodus 21, 24, in Leviticus 24 and 20, and in Deuteronomy 19 and 21. This is what the Word of God says. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We would say today it's a principle of quid pro quo. And an exchange of something of equal value. A tit for tat. An eye for an eye. A tooth for a tooth. By the way, if you keep reading in Exodus, it is more than just that. It was a hand for a hand. It was a foot for foot. A burning for burning. Wound for wound. Strike for strike. It is the foundation for justice. Do you remember what the symbol for our justice system is? The balance scales. Why did God give that? Remember, this was given to the nation of Israel. It was given in a, por uh, to the, in a portion that we call the civil law given through Moses. Why is it there? I think it was there for two reasons. Number one, to curb violence. To curb crime. A perpetrator needs to know that there are consequences for the crime. If, if you take the eye of a man, then your eye would be taken. By the time of Plato, it had become, uh, instead of a literal eye, it would be the value of an eye. Uh, there were some cultures that, uh, that if you injured an arm, then your arm would be injured. But over time, through the judicial system, it was developed a value for the loss to be paid. Here he says, before you act, understand that there are consequences for your actions. Also notice that that is an eye for an eye, not, not an ear for an eye. Can't you see the wisdom of what God is doing in that? Can't you see the justice in that? When God pronounces penalties for crimes, it is fair. It was given to curb crime. Secondly, it was used to prevent excessive punishment. Your brother's out working in the field and thugs come by, jump on him and beat him. And in the process, it, uh, he loses the sight in his right eye. You hear about it. And you, you lay awake at night thinking about it. And you say, you're going to get your brothers together. And we're gonna, this is what we're going to do. We're, we're not going to get one of his eyes. We're going to get both of his eyes and one of his arms. They get up and go and it's not an eye for an eye, but it's an eye, uh, but it's two eyes and an arm for an eye. Uh, then his brothers hear about it. They want to uh, not only get two eyes and an arm, but they're also going to get a leg. And before you know it, there's a family feud brewing. And the clans get involved and it grows to, be to the point that nations are at war with another. It all started with an eye. And builds to an all-out war. God says we're not going to do that. Here's what we're going to do. If, an eye, if it's an eye, then the punishment is an eye. If it's an arm, then the punishment is an arm. And, and by having an arm for an arm, an eye for an eye, that will re prevent excessive punishment. Kind of like the excessive punishment when, as long as it's applied to the other person. You mama bears ever had someone mistreat your cub? 
You weren't interested in an eye for an eye. Uh, I guarantee you that. Uh, you didn't want justice, did you? You ladies can say amen, it's okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, when someone comes after your little boy, your little girl, you're not interested in an eye for an eye. You don't want justice, you want revenge. Jesus says, no, that's, that's not how my kingdom works. It's not about revenge. It's not about taking these matters into your own hands. The eye for an eye uh, and tooth for a tooth wasn't taken into their own hands. The government administered the punishment. You shouldn't take care of it by yourself either. So God put this in place to bring order into society so that there would be justice served. Have you ever heard the feud between the Hatfields and the McCoys? It, it didn't start with two families. It started with two men. If they had let the government take care of the issue, it would have never become a clan feud. Do you know if God's people would just be Christian people and not insist on their rights and their way, there would never, ever in a million years ever be a church split. If there was never an issue of pride and arrogance and selfishness, there would be unity and harmony and oneness from now until the Lord comes back. Jesus said, this is not what my disciples do. They don't try to get revenge. They leave justice in the hands of God. Look at verse number 39. He says, But I say unto you that you resist the evil. Here is where some have misinterpreted what the Lord meant. They, they use this part to say that they should, should uh, not uh, uh, sign up for the police force or for the military. Uh, and this is where Tolstoy was all wrong. If Jesus meant here that we're not to resist evil, then Jesus was wrong when he took a whip and drove out the money changers from the temple. You know that's not what Jesus is talking about. I think Jesus helps us to understand. Look at the next phrase. But whosoever shall smite thee with thy, on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Have you ever wondered why the Lord specified the right cheek? If anybody were to smite you on the right cheek, why did he say the left cheek? 90% of the people are right-handed. And if a right-handed person smites you on the cheek, it would be on the left cheek, right? 90% of the population would smite with the right hand and the left cheek. When Jesus is talking about smiting someone, he is obviously not talking about the inside of the hand. During that time in Israel, the greatest insult and attack on someone's character was to be smitten with the back of the hand. And that's why Jesus said, if they smite you on the right cheek, obviously they are hitting you with the back of the hand. This is an insult. They are calling you scum. 
They're calling you a dirtbag. They're calling you no good. They're saying you're a dog. So Jesus is talking about in this context, if you have followed the principles of the Beatitudes, if you are humble, if you're a peacemaker, if you are meek, if you are letting your light shine, and as a result of letting your light shine, you are ridiculed and mocked and they smite you with the back of the hand, Jesus is saying, you don't retaliate. If they want to hit you, let them hit you. Listen, I think we misunderstand the text when we assume that Jesus is talking about an everyday matter. If somebody is trying to break into your house, and the process of breaking in your house, they smite you, that's not the time to turn your head and say, wait a minute, i got another side. That's the time to respond with an uppercut. <laughs> Jesus is not talking about that. What he's talking about, when you live by the principles of the Sermon on the Mount, and you're made fun of and ridiculed because you're living such a radically different life, you don't retaliate. Defend yourself, defend your property, but when you're persecuted for being a Christian, you take it. It's not what Jesus is talking about. If that's not what Jesus was talking about, then I'm clueless. Then he said in verse number 40, If any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Now Jesus is talking about there, there may be cases where Christian people are called into a court of law and, and judgment they may not always be just. And you know your, yourself that it's not always just and it never will be fair until Jesus comes back and, and establishes his reign for a thousand years on this earth. So he, he, he said that they may sue you and take away your coat. And In more modern language, this coat would be called a tunic. So they might take away your tunic. He said, and let them have your cloak also. Now, this cloak was an expensive outer garment. Under the law of Moses, if you took a man's garment for a pledge, it must be returned after sundown, before sundown. Uh, in, in, in the summer, it would be used as a pillow... At, at, at night uh, when they slept. But in the cooler times, we would use it for a blanket, a, a quilt, a sleeping bag to keep warm. And God cared for the well-being of mankind, said you can take his undergarment, but you can't take his quilt. Jesus said if they want it, give it to them. The court may, may not say give it to them, but if they want it, give it to them. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I'm, I'm not going to do that. You're thinking, this preacher's gone mad. Lord, this is, this is not fair. It's not right. Let me ask you a question. Do you really want fair? At the end of the day, do you really want God to deal with you in a fair kind of way? Or do you want God to deal with you according to grace? Let me be clear. You will get much more in grace than you will ever get with fairness. The best thing we can do today is to bow before God and receive the grace that He offers you. To, you. You don't want to beg for fairness. Don't desire the fairness of God, but desire the grace of God. Then in verse number 41, it says, And, and whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile with him, go two miles. 
This goes back to the custom during the first century. The Roman Empire was in full swing. The Jews were under the authority of the Romans. Uh, the Roman soldiers were scattered around Israel. And a, Romans, a Roman could command a Jew to carry his burden, carry his stuff, one mile. And this, the word here is, is million. Million. Mill means 1,000 paces. It, 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 it really, literally meant 1,000 times of making with the same step. That's what the word means. It's a little shorter than, than our mile. And Jesus is saying, if a Roman soldier forces you to carry his pack for a mile, carry it two miles for him. The first mile is for Caesar. The second mile is for God. The first mile, you're required to do it. The second mile, you're willing to do it because you love God. What happened when our Lord was beaten? He'd already lost a lot of blood. He was trying to carry the beam of his cross down the Via della Rosa and his knees gave out and the Roman soldier compelled one Simon, a Cyrenian, to carry his cross. A Roman could do that. Jesus said, yes, they're going to take advantage of you. But instead of carrying it one mile, we're going to carry it two miles. You know what we're going to do to these Romans who are being unkind and cruel to us, we're going to share with them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by just a few hundred years, the gospel is going to go throughout the entire Roman Empire. It will even make it to Caesar's household. Don't lose sight of the end result. Preacher, you don't mean that by, by being willing to be stepped on, taken advantage of, carrying a load two miles instead of one, that that has anything to do with the gospel? I'm saying that's how we deal with other people in, in all of our relationships, in all of our words, in all of our attitudes. It has to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. How you treat the bum on the street, how you treat the successful businessman, how you treat the streetwalker, it all has to do with the gospel of Jesus. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? Amen. You want to tell me that for the cause of the gospel, that you're, you've got too much pride and arrogance to humble yourself, to be put out, to be humbled, to have some extra expenses out of your pocket for the cause of Christ? I want you to understand that everything Jesus mentioned offering your left side of your face giving away your quilt, going the extra mile. It's a mighty small price to pay for people to be saved from eternal hell. Amen. Jesus is saying this is a characteristics of, the characteristics of my kingdom. Those who have received this radical righteousness, they don't think about, you know what, I was taken advantage of today. When you demand your rights, you hinder, if not completely cut off people from ever wanting to do, to, to, to do with you or your Christ. In fact, that will be one more reason that they will use to stay away from any church. 
How much are you willing to give up concerning your rights for the cause of the gospel? Wherever you draw the line, and we all have drawn the line somewhere, wherever you've drawn the line, you have drawn it in the wrong place. Not only that, but where you draw the line determines the level of selfishness and pride in your heart. I want to tell you folks, there is going to be times that it's going to be embarrassing. In the eyes of some to be a Christian, I hope you're okay with that. There are times when it's going to be cost something to be a Christian. I hope you're okay with that. There are times when you're going to feel odd, like you don't fit in uh, with that group anymore. I hope you're okay with that. Because when you live according to the radical righteousness outlined by Jesus, I guarantee you, you won't fit in. This is what Jesus says to do. You go the second mile. You don't seek revenge. You don't take matters in your own hand. You leave it all in the hands of God. That's radical righteousness. I hear the argument. I can't do that. Let me explain. There's only one reason why you can't do that. There's only one reason you can't turn the other cheek. There's only one reason you can't go the second mile. You don't yet have the radical righteousness in you. If His righteousness is in you, you can go the second mile. You say, I, I know I'm saved, but I still am not sure I can do it. Well, here's the problem. You think more of you than you do of Jesus. You have a huge ego problem. A pride problem. A selfish, selfishness is the problem. I'm asking you today to leave your pride, your selfishness, and Ego, right here at the altar, under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've never been saved, you don't know about this righteousness that brings about such a dramatic change in a person. You can know about it by putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The truth is, there's, there's no person so good that he doesn't need to be saved. And there's no person so bad that he can't be saved. Why don't you come to him today? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this message. Dear Lord, it hurts sometimes to hear from you. It makes us uncomfortable. It's convicting. And dear Lord, I thank you for not giving up on us Correcting us when we need to be corrected. Making us to walk the straight path. Thank you, Lord, for the timing of this message. You knew it all along. And you're perfect. your timing is perfect. Dear Lord, as we examine our lives, how often do we demand our rights and think that we're being mistreated taken advantage of and we forget about you how that you were 
treated badly. Mistreated. Taken the punishment for us. It wasn't fair. For you. But you did it anyway. Lord help us. Lord help us. To be. That kind of Christian. As we strive to reach a world that's lost. And it's going to die and go into eternity without Jesus. Unless we make a difference. Don't allow our behaviors to hinder anyone from coming to you, dear Lord. Dear Lord, if there's someone here today that's never been saved, this radical righteousness is new to them. They, they don't understand it. They need to know you. They need to understand you. And they need to live for you. Dear Lord, I just pray they'll make that decision to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior this morning. Any others here today that need to make a decision for you today, I pray that they'll, they'll have the courage to come and make that known to the church and come and make it right with you, praying down front, dear Lord, whatever, whatever needs to be done, dear Lord, I pray that your spirit will convict and our hearts will be open to your leadership. Thank you, Lord, for all you do for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.